welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. I don't know how many times I've addressed my weight. I've tried the diets and the lifestyle changes and the exercises, etc., etc. And I'm still working on it. I haven't given up, and I have no intention of giving up. My physical health has been front and center in my life for a while now. But what about my mental health? To be honest, before this chat with Gary Hughes, I hadn't given it the attention it deserves. Gary says some things that seem fairly simple on the surface, but when you actually consider applying his advice, it becomes quite profound. I was expecting a light-hearted funny talk with Gary, mostly because he's hilarious. What I got instead was a look at the mess behind the curtain, and I left encouraged to talk to someone about my own mess. I hope you do too. My problem is, is that I'll get, I give all the good material in one burst, and then I got it's like for my creative live class. I got a really comprehensive headshot course, and it's a good course, there's no doubt, and I've had a lot of people buy it. So I'm trying to create other educational materials and things for people to purchase and to grow their businesses and stuff. Right. And I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten emails from people like, well, how is this different than the other one? I go, well, the other one was like four years ago. Like, <laughs> you know how much stuff I've changed since then? Do you know how much, I mean, how hey, many processes up, I've refined? This is an update. Right, right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, Are you yeah. still <clears throat> using Windows 95? Yeah. <laughs> Vista, actually. Uh-huh. I'm a big Vista well, fan. ME was really my, my then, jam. Then but. you should just stick with the old creative life stuff. Yeah, I mean, th- they won't let me play King's Quest on Windows ME anymore, so I had to, like, up, you know, so I've, all my favorite video games are you gone. Are, uh, you're touching me in a, in, a, <laughs> in a really deep, nostalgic place. I played the original King's Quest. I, 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 my, I was really upset just last month. Leisure Suit Larry no longer runs on, on Windows. So, you know, that's had to say goodbye. I, I remember Leisure Suit Larry, but I wasn't allowed to play <laughs> it. No, it was like the dirty game. It was and it was horrible. basically, there's just buxom women in bikinis, our, right. our secondary characters but in the whole the time, thing. time, that was like a huge... Oh, it was. It was like, it was it's, it's like you look back at it now, like your parents wouldn't let you watch The Simpsons. And you're like, really? The Simpsons? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like some of the most poignant global political commentary Mm -hmm. uh, in the world. That's legit. But like compared to what we intake now, it's completely harmless. Do you remember um, what Luke Skywalker and two live crew? Luke Skywalker and two live crew. (laughs) Two live crew. I remember two live crew. Luke, uh, what was his name? His his name was Luke something or other. Oh, in the band, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I was like, okay, you're going to make a real Star Wars leap here. No, no, it was two live crew, but it, it was Luke... You want to Google it? Uh, no, it's not that important. <laughs> I remember that head. being so horrific, right? Like Tipper Gore had the whole freak out and made it, all the parental advisory. Yeah, you remember that? I remember lyrics. John Denver testifying before Congress yeah. in the '90s about you know censoring yes. music. Yes. And now it's. I think that the world has moved on in so many ways. It just seems ridiculous that stuff. Like we've had highly paid, very well educated, hundreds and hundreds of government officials having meetings about things that now we look back and we go, that's just absurd to think about. It's just absurd to think about how, like, I think about this sometimes, you know, in 18, in 1860, it was not common practice to use toilet paper. 
Well, that's something. Like, people would probably just go very often without wiping their butts. For lack of a better term, are you pulling this out of your butt? No. This is a no, no, this thing? is true. This is legit. So imagine walking around in a world where nobody uses toilet paper, how bad it smelled. And, and well, now what? we're like, and you know, why do so many people die of dysentery? I don't understand. God, God has put a curse on our land. Wipe your butt, wash your hands, and everybody will live till they're 100. That's all it takes. <laughs> But we thought we were we were cursed by the gods. But no, we're just gross. Like it's just we were something that's so common sense now. And that's the thing about uh, science and civilization mm. is that we just our kids are going to be like, do you believe they used to have to drive their cars? They but, would get into it and they actually had to control it. But the whole that's way. happened every generation. Of course it is. And of course, I saw Scott Stratton on opening day, mm-hmm. um, who was a keynote speaker, op- kicking off Imaging USA. And he does this great bit about you know, millennials and how everybody, it's the oldest trope in the universe for every generation to hate the generation that comes after them. Like if you think that the the greatest generation came home from the war, had children, and those baby boomers became hippies protesting Vietnam, and like they must have thought they were all scumbags, you know, and and it's just... They did. Yeah, because people don't see objectively. People don't think critically. And I think that the greatest thing we can do for ourselves and for our children is to teach people to think critically, to abandon tribalism, and to say, take things one issue at a time, because we, we just want to line up. We want to make everything make sense. We want to make everything like understandable and digestible, but not everything is digestible. Mm. We live in a world of things that are way more complex. Like you go to a person, you say, well, that guy's a real a-hole. And you go, actually, you know what? I'm sorry he cut you off in traffic, but he's racing the hospital because his wife's giving birth. You know, there's so many different perspectives on life that we don't understand and which just, my sister was talking to me about cognitive behavioral therapy. This, mm-hmm. is a, this is a relatively new term for a relatively old concept. But one of the things they teach you is that using traffic as an example is when somebody does something to you, a stranger, let's say cuts you off in traffic. When you get mad, you're not getting mad at them. You're getting mad at everyone who has ever cut you off in traffic. Like in your mind. It's like a buildup. Yeah, in your mind, that's one person. That's one avatar in your mind is the person who cuts you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you have a disproportionately angry reaction to something that's relatively small, something that you just <clears throat> probably did to someone else three blocks before. Maybe even unintentional. Yeah, that's what I mean. So right. it's sort of, if we start thinking in terms of stop trying to sandwich everything into these avatars that we can understand into these archetypes, you can actually move through life realizing that most people are okay, like most people are fine. And um, we are we are rolling, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, you know, I've been trying to track you this whole time. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job, but I have a question based on something you said yeah, that shoot. I wanted to throw at you. I'm all yours. You were mentioning how you were mentioning the absurdity of all the meetings and all the millions of dollars that were spent, uh, for example, in the 90s regarding the explicit lyric thing or censorship right. in general. Right. Right. Explain what you meant by the fact that that was absurd. Uh, absolutely. I think it's because when something is wrong in society, I think that as a a group, as a tribe, we are really looking for something to blame it on. We're looking for a reason. And in the nineties was a lot of the beginning of violence in schools. And we had our first school shootings, really mass shootings at schools in the nineties. And we had like, there's though the world was becoming a smaller place because of technology and because of, you know, media and instant. I mean, you think about this way, if something happened in Japan in the 1800s, you didn't find out about it for 18 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know about everything instantly. Right. So the nineties brought the first 24 hour news networks. The nineties brought the internet. The 90, I mean, and so we have a lot of problems with young people 
and sometimes more than we think we do, and sometimes there's stuff that we're not paying attention to. But when there's a problem, to satisfy the public, leadership has to identify something and demonize it so that everybody stops asking the government to do something so about it. So you think it. music was a scapegoat? I do. I absolutely believe that that was a pressure valve for you know, violence. They used to think that video games make you violent, that, viol- that loud music makes you violent. I don't know if you've ever been to Japan, but they have lots of both. And <laughs> it's like one of the most peaceful places in the world. There are so many, so many things around the world that show that that's not the case and in some cases you know there's not uh there's not an easy one easy solution you know a rising violence in schools might be caused by six different things all in conjunction with each other like well we're on the same page there and then i think it's extremely dangerous to paint with a broad brush and pin things on one thing correct. in general yes and but that the job of what has become the job of leadership is to not solve a problem necessarily, but to pacify the masses. Because in, in, the, in a democracy, things only get done when people start making noise about it. And the people who make sure. the most noise, they get the most action. And sure. so that's one of those things. It's like, we're going to do something about this. In reality, does listening to Marilyn Manson make you kill people? I would not say that, no. No, okay. In reality, does listening to heavy metal music or does an F-bomb in a song make you more likely to kidnap a child or beat someone or rob a grocery store? Make you more likely. <laughs> I, that's a, I feel like that's a big, fat, loaded question. I've me. never done any of those things. And I've listened, well, to, I've listened to hardcore and heavy metal music since I was 10 years old. No, right. I, I, <laughs> Played plenty of violent videos. You know how many murders I've committed? Virtual murders. How many people I've like headshotted playing Call of Duty? Mm-hmm. Like, I've, you know, and I've right. never once had the urge. And in fact, I'm very, very uh, pro you know, uh, get, let's put less guns in the world. And I have no desire to own a gun or to shoot a gun or to be violent towards anybody people. But when it comes to a video game, I love blowing the back of somebody's head off. But do you, you, (laughs) but do you, that being said, I hear what you're saying. That being said, do you think that there are different people that have different personality types and different backgrounds and different circumstances and different this, that, and the other, the variables in their lives that might make them more susceptible to the influence of various types of media. There's no question that that's true, but the root of that is mental illness. The root of that isn't. I don't disagree. Like you could say, it's like saying somebody who's mentally ill walks into a grocery store mm-hmm. and then the person, a person says something to them, an exact phrase that like their mom used to say before they stuck a wooden spoon in their ear when they were a kid and that's why right. they messed up. Right. And then that guy goes on a spree and starts stabbing people right. in the grocery store. Is it the person's fault who said that to them? And right. you, or, or is it the, the, the mental illness and the damage from the previous? And so, yes, I think we do have to be as a society, we should be more careful about what we put inside our brains. We should. Absolutely, we should. I think that, but that's, there's a personal responsibility there. You have, it's knowing yourself, being aware. And this is kind of what I really wanted to talk with you about today. So I'm glad we kind of got on this is because, um, mental health has become a recent, recent concern to me. Um, and I think that checking in with yourself and, and being taught that it's okay to be responsible for your mental health, people will do CrossFit, people will work out, people will run for miles, uh, but they don't check in with their mental health in the same way they check in with your physical health. Mm. Like the brain's not a part of the body. Mm. So I'll give you an experience. I do apologize. I'm a little hoarse. I'll give you an experience um, that I've had recently. And I I, I normally it's like funny and wacky. And that's like kind of what I do in this situation. But I think I might have discovered something that is pervasive in our industry that we're like a, a Petri dish of that I think and nobody's talking about. 
because in a professional industry like ours, it's everybody's job to look good and successful all the time. Mm-hmm. It's to look like we are always on top of it, to dress better, to, to be better. So in December, um, I was outside setting up for my daughter's first birthday. And so I was in the backyard setting things up. And I got a phone call from my sister who lives in England. And she said, mom died five minutes ago. And this is my biological mother, did not raise me. Uh, but you know, there, my dad remarried and there was a wonderful woman who's still living who raised me, who I call mom. But this is my biological mother who died. And there's all this sort of, and at, the, at first it's like, I don't know what to do about this. And then that was right leading into the holidays and we had a bunch of family come and staying with us and all the pressures of going to all the things and doing everything else. And all the time this is working like in the back of my mind. And then after Christmas, um, I started having panic attacks and I started having, but unable to control my body. Like, I don't know what's going on. And, and like, you're just sitting there reading a magazine and yes, I read magazines. That's the little thing some people do. (laughs) And your heart starts just pounding like it's going to pop out of your chest and, or you get lightheaded or dizzy, or you feel like you have goosebumps all the time and low levels of nausea. I'm just having these, and I've never suffered with mental illness, depression, anxiety, nothing, anything like that. To me, there was always this thing in the back of my mind that, oh, that's what happens to people who don't have their crap together. And so, you know what I mean? Right. You had that stigma attached. But the trauma, I had been processing this and let me tell you that what I was processing was the opportunity because she died of a, in cardiac arrest, uh, because of an infection and she was 62, which Mm -hmm. is young, you know? And so, um, what was happening inside me was I never mended those fences. She never met her grandkids, you know, all this stuff. And this just whole thing that was sitting on the back burner of my mind, this whole mental health thing, part of my life, this big emotional part of my life that I wasn't paying attention to is now that door's closed forever. Mm. And and I was just, and for the first time in years, all of my siblings were one place immediately after that. And then I, so these, <clears throat> I thought there was something wrong with me physically because I felt like in my mind, like I had processed this emotionally and like, everything's okay. I'm tough. I can do this. You thought that you and were then, in a good place right. with it. And then that's when, after I thought I was done, that's when the panic attacks started. And so I've been experiencing, I've been to doctors, I'm under care, everything's okay. I'm, I've normalized mostly now. They've got me on like a blood pressure medication and I've had my heart sonogram because, so, you know, anyway, long story. They're just ruling out all this stuff. And as it turns out, I'm having panic attacks. I'm dealing with anxiety. And they gave me a prescription for like Xanax and everything. Like, like right. it's, it's the real deal. And um, so I'm in London last week for the SWPP convention. And I have some great, great friends there. And when you catch up, this is what's going on in my life. And so I'm having a, few, uh, a great conversation with a friend of mine. And I'm telling them about this. And they said, me too. Really? It's like, same. And then, I, and, 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 and then I had a conversation with another friend. Because, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, this is like a really condensed version of good catching up with good friends who right, haven't seen in a while. Right. And he's like, oh, I was diagnosed bipolar a couple of, of years ago and, I'm, and I have anxiety and panic attack. And then seriously, and here's the number, seven people out of seven that I spoke to said they were experiencing or had experienced the exact same thing. Seven out of seven at this photography conference. And so let me take you through what I was feeling about this. When you're feeling, when you realize that you've got something going on with your mental health, it's your desire to hide it because you don't want people to see it. Right. And then nobody talks about it in the open, mm. uh, their mental health or what they've been going through because there's a stigma attached to it. Like I felt there was for me. And so I realized that one, that this must be incredibly pervasive in creatives. Mm. 
And two, I felt a hundred times better to just know that someone else had been through the same thing and that I was going to be okay and there wasn't anything wrong with me and that it's normal. And that feeling simultaneously of we might be in an industry where you have a whole bunch of people who are constantly working long hours, putting their emotion, love and energy into um, something that they do and some of them failing at it and how the pressure that we put on ourselves and how much, how much mental health is not talked about. It is staggering how much we have to hide it from each other when the thing that helps the most is to, for someone, when you feel isolated because of something that's going on with you mentally, when you feel isolated, the thing that helps the most is to have somebody put their hand on top of yours and go, oh my God, me too. It's okay. You can come through it. We all, like lots of us Mm -hmm. are doing it and nobody talks about it. So the thing that would help the most is the thing that nobody's doing. And I think that that's... And that's the thing I wanted to talk about today. You're like, Gary, come up with a topic. I'm like, this is what's real in my life right now. Yeah. Is that I've, it's like I open the door and I'm looking backstage and I see all the pulleys and the levers and all of the, the carnies with three fingers and cigarettes setting up all the things. And then you look on the other side of the curtain, it's just a show with people in fabulous gowns. Right. And you look in the back and you see the mess that's behind the curtain. Right. Right. And I think that's something that's super important to be aware of. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this information yet. But something is going to uh, something has to be done with this information because there are people in our industry specifically and probably in the whole world. But I think it may be a higher percentage among Creatives. creative professionals. Right. I, it's got to be. You can't go seven out of seven like right. I did right. and not to see that that's a really high percentage of people with mental health issues. Right. And nobody would dare talk about it. Have you ever seen a program? or seen any care of this kind in our industry for anything like this? Not yet. No, not yet. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's what I'm dealing with. And that's, that's some, and it's just hit me like a hammer recently. And it is scary and embarrassing to say that, yes, I'm dealing with mental health issues, mm. but it makes no sense. It makes less sense to hide it. And mm. it makes all the sense in the world to say, let's find a way for people to be able to support each other because it's the thing you need most desperately is to not feel so isolated. It really, really helps. It, it's really helpful. Do you feel as though um, these issues, we'll call them that for lack of a better word right now, but do you feel as though you've had things building up and building up and building up for who knows how long that you weren't even really aware of? And then what happened with your mom was a trigger. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. And when something, when trauma happens, it's the, it's the, uh, the result of all of the trauma right. built up into one. So there's absolute, I'm sure there's a breaking point. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I have zero training. Right. But, yeah, me know? too. <laughs> so I would assume that it's absolutely a buildup. It's how you deal with things over time that, you know, but with the, with the exception of like massive trauma, you know, even then, uh, if you have massive trauma as a child, it probably doesn't even fully manifest until right. later on. But again, not a psychiatrist. I don't know. But right. uh, I mean, it, everything is connected. Everything inside of you is, is connected to each other. It's absolutely. But the point is, is it's as or more important to check in with your mental health as it is to check in with your physical health. Your, your, your anxiety and depression can be as dangerous to your life as being 200 pounds overweight or more. Right. And, and you know, we have in the United States about 32,000 uh, deaths by gun, not to harp on the guns thing, a year. 22,000 or so of those are accidental deaths and suicides, the mm-hmm. majority being suicides. Mm-hmm. Self-inflicted. And, right? right. And this is something that is, that is real. And anybody who's dealt with anxiety or depression, like imagine that somebody put... A, an ice cold balloon just behind your sternum in your rib cage. Mm. And then they had a little button that they could squeeze a pump 
and it would inflate 20 percent and then just turn freezing cold like that's anxiety feels like and for some people that's constant some people it's there 24 hours a day for me it's intermittent like it'll come and then i'll be able to get a hold of myself you just ride it you don't fight it you let it ride through and then you become cognizant of what triggers it. And then you, you know, say loud noises are my anxiety triggers or, you know, uh, personal tension. There's all these different things that trigger anxiety in someone who suffers with it. But there are people who have it all the time, like a low level of misery, of physical, physical pain all the time. And that's, nobody talks about it. Nobody, nobody talks about it. And it's a thing that should be the most talked about that I can think of in the world. The first, so the first step is talking about it and getting it out there. Help. I guarantee you, if you're listening to this and you're suffering with anxiety or depression and you feel isolated, I guarantee you, if you talk to a couple of people, you know about it, I guarantee you somebody's going to go, right. I feel the same. Me too. I go through the yeah. same thing. And you like that. And just that, just that one little touch point will, will, will be a big step on the road to, to feeling a lot better. Like, and you know, the, there's physical, psychological issues at force here that, need care, need professional care. But like when someone says to you, I'm in therapy, in, in the mind of a person who doesn't have never, no experience with mental illness, when someone says they're in therapy, you're like, so you think, oh, I assume something about them, even if right. you don't want to. Right, that stigma exists. And yeah. there's no question. And so we, uh, as a culture, I think it's gonna be really important as these things come to light over, you know, over the development of these types of sciences, technologies, and therapies that we destigmatize mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Like they, they need as much attention as, as anything else. And I think that our industry is rife with it. And no, I've never heard anybody talk about it until I've been through it. And what I have gone through is very mild by comparison, by comparison. Very, there are people out there dealing with much heavier burdens than that. And uh, mine is probably something that I will be able to manage to the point where it's going to be no longer a problem over a relatively short amount of time. But there's mm-hmm. people with chronic mental health, mental health problems, you know. And so <clears throat> where to go, I don't know. But that's just what's been on my mind. And since you're good at conversations, <laughs> I thought I'd bring it to you. <laughs> I'm honored by that, actually. Yeah. A little nervous by it, but um, I believe you and I trust you. I'm, 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 what's coming to my mind is, okay, so what you're saying seems to make sense. And you know, you, you look at things through this lens and certain things make more sense than what maybe they did before as you look back in various, oh, occurrences and whatnot, right? right. So, but I'm thinking if there are a lot of people out there suffering with this and maybe some people don't even realize it, there's, there's the helping the people that are already in that spot and I, and I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense to, to make it, to destigmatize those issues. And you do that by bringing them up and having the conversations and making yourself vulnerable to whomever, right? Yes. And so getting to the point where other people have a, a space where they can talk about that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Big step. Yeah, huge. What about the preventative piece? Or is there a preventative piece? Are there things that can be done to maybe even help prevent it f- from getting to that point in the first place. You know, I think that it's just important to start thinking about it. Again, this is not my area of expertise. I'm like a babe walking in the woods with mm-hmm. no clothes on. And But the thing that I know is I have never checked in with my mental health. It's never even occurred to me that it's something I need to take care of. Mm. It's never been evaluated. I've never been, I've never talked about it with a doctor. Mm. You know, I've been to a doctor and I've talked about my blood sugar and my blood pressure and my cholesterol level and my 
in my pancreas and my, uh, you know, and my colon, that's, you talk about your colon a lot, you know, mm, like right. there are things that you talk about a lot, right. but asking your doctor about mental health issues, how can I want to, I've been feeling this or how, you know, f- talking about how do you deal with stress? What do you do? How do you work it right. out? How do you process information? How do right. you process grief? And these are all important things that people aren't prepared for. Hmm. You're not prepared for the grief that can come into your life if you're not learning how to process things. You're not any more prepared for grief than, you know, than you're prepared for a bombing in the building where you work. You know, like it's right. just like, it's this, it, it like your brain can only take so much. Right. And I think that uh, just getting educated on this is the most important place to start and to realize that just like you go to the doctor to get your annual checkup, it's not a bad idea to check in with the mental health too. And I'm sure your doctor could advise you on that, but I've just never, it's never been on my radar, you know? And if people knew more about it, it wouldn't be so, it wouldn't be so shameful. Like you should, you should not have to be ashamed of it because it's not your fault. You're a man on fire with this. Yeah, I think I am. And I was talking to my wife about it, uh, before this morning. And she said, what are you going to talk to Jed about? And I said, I don't know. I think I want to talk about a thing, but I said, it's not very funny. Um, and, she, and I told her, she goes, are you sure you want to do that? Hmm. And I said, who else is going to do it? Hmm. Because I'm, I'm a, the biggest idiot in the world. I've already embarrassed myself in so many ways in public <laughs> over my life. Like everybody just expects me to just say the next terrible thing anyway. So why not? It's not like I have a reputation for being like very tactful. You know, that's not, that's not who I am. So um, yeah, it w- I think it, this would be a good platform to just say, reach out, talk to someone, uh, you're not alone and, um, it's normal and there's nothing wrong with you that, that, you know, that's not wrong with all of us. Right. 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 And if you haven't experienced it and you do, you probably will. All the pressure we put ourselves under as entrepreneurs and small business owners. Yes. You know, I mean, there's incredible strain in trying to support your family and weighing your passion against your weighing your passion against your, your livelihood. And right. the stakes are very high for small business owners and entrepreneurs, aren't they? Mm-hmm. It's the high, I mean, your business fails, like you get fired from a job, you'll get another job. Your business fails, you die inside. Right. Right. It's part of who you are. I've seen it happen to many yeah. friends of mine who used to be in the industry. I've right. seen it happen to friends and relatives, loved ones. When your business fails, you die inside. Mm-hmm. And like the pressure we put ourselves under. So, don't be isolated. Uh, you, th- you, you think that somebody's going to judge you, but more likely they're going to understand and relate than anything else. That's just the truth. Well, and even if someone does, it's worth the risk. Absolutely. You know? There is someone you know that has been through it or is going through it. Right. There is support, 100%. This, this knocked me back a little bit today. <laughs> I, I told you I didn't want you to tell me what it was about beforehand. Right. So should I do some jokes <laughs> to end up? No. Okay. No, no. I, 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 in fact, I, I, I don't think I want anything else. I think that leaving people with that is, is the big piece for this. Right. Um, not being afraid to reach out. And really, I, I think it can be, it, it's a good idea just to have a conversation whether or not you think this is much of an issue anyway like yeah. you you weren't in a place where you were like oh, i know i'm not doing any maintenance on my mental, mental health but it's because i don't need to right 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 so just start to have the conversation you might find out a little bit about yourself that you weren't able to see for whatever reason yeah you know there's there's just signs that we ignore like 
do you bite your fingers down to the nubs mm. and you don't know why? Mm. You know, <laughs> are yeah, you right. are you unreasonably overreacting when your uh, child asks you for a glass of water? Like, yeah. there's little signs all over the place that your mental health needs a checkup. <laughs> right. You know that right. you're not managing your stress. Right. It, Sleep issues. Having tr- issues. Having trouble sleeping. Having trouble yeah. with appetite. Eating too much. Eating too little. There's mm-hmm. so many different ways that you know your stress can manifest as a human being. Right. And, you know, are, are you, do you feel anxiety when you leave your phone in another room? <laughs> like, I don't right. know. All these things are, are, you know, do you have to sit on the exact same seat on the bus every day or you, or you can't ride the bus? Right. Do you have, you know, problems when your friends go out and there's somebody in the group who you've never met before? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, <clears throat> there are all kinds of little telltale signs. Like, it's not a bad idea. Nobody's normal. We're all weird as hell. We all have damage. We, yeah. And if, and if you don't, you will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait long enough. Yeah. You will. Um, some of us have uh, stories with picnic blankets and noodle salad and perfect little American summers. And then the rest of us have real life. We have a brother that embarrasses us or we have like yeah. a, you know, <laughs> or we have a, a job where we don't feel valued or, mm-hmm. we, you know, we have like, you know, we don't like the way that we look naked and right. we're miserable about our, our partner doesn't, isn't attracted to us anymore. Mm. Like all of us have something. Look yeah. around a room, scratch a surface and you'll find somebody with some serious issues. Yeah. And I think if we all believe that we could become more compassionate mm. um, and we could come more importantly, we could ease up on ourselves a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm not going to add a thing. <laughs> okay. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I want. I want people to hear that and take that in. Um, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Well, I, I see a, a third one in our future. <laughs> There's, if you need a you need somebody to talk for an hour, you got it. I'm, I'm your guy. Never less than. Never less than an hour. Thanks, brother. Sure. Thanks for having me.